Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Uh, welcome those of you who are worshiping at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. All right, this is, uh, we've dubbed this Name Tag January, uh, where we're asking uh, all of us to wear name tags uh, during the month of January because in a church like ours, it's easy to sit around the same people and then not know their names and then get past that point where it becomes awkward to ask them their name, all right? So uh, you can wear your name tag. If you don't have a name tag on today, that's okay. The people around you are just going to keep going, how you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for coming, all right? Uh, so it's one of our ways to try to connect, all right? All right, so we are in the second week of our four-week vision series, looking out on 2022 and beyond. Uh, every time I get to a new year, I get excited. I get excited because every year, no matter what uh, the year is going to be like, uh, even a year like this where we have no idea what's coming, uh, we have the same opportunity as Christians, and that is that we can be more like Jesus by the end of the year than we are right now. I always think of the movie Back to the Future, and I know this is going to date me some. But uh, in Back to the Future, the, a professor builds a time machine out of a DeLorean. And the most important part of that time machine is this thing he calls the flux capacitor. And the flux capacitor at the beginning of the movie uh, needs something like a, a bolt of lightning to power it to get you where you want to go. Now, by the end of the movie, the professor has gone to the future, and he comes back, and he pulls into Marty McFly's driveway. And I, I realize I know way too much about this movie. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, he has made some advancements in the flux capacitor, and now it's like a garbage disposal. You put anything in, and it turns, it's processed into the power that you need to get you where you want to go. That's the Christian life. Uh, we are promised by God that no matter what comes into our lives in 2022, that he is able to process it in such a way to make us more like his son, Jesus. And that's our goal. It's my goal uh, as a person. It's my goal for you as your pastor that you be more like Jesus. So with that said, let's look at Jesus. We just had an amazing passage read to us. 
It is phenomenal. It's breathtaking truths in that passage. Those 11 verses may be the best 11 verses in the entire Bible to describe who Jesus is and what he came to do. In those 11 verses, we find out that Jesus is God, but he's also a man, that, that Jesus is actually God incarnated as a human being. We learn that he emptied himself, became a servant, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And because of that, now he is highly exalted with a name above every name that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. But in this passage, Paul is not just telling us great truths about Jesus. He's also using those truths to tell us something about this church, about what God wants, that God has a desire to form a particular group of people, a particular type of community, a particular type of church. And that's what we're getting in this passage. Now, uh, last week I mentioned a book that I read called Echoes of Eden. And the premise of that book is that we all have this, this longing uh, for, uh, for a world the way it should be, right? And, and we all long for that world. Uh, we have a uh, class here called Sharing Jesus. Great class. If you have not yet taken Sharing Jesus, then put it on your to-do list for 2022. Uh, Zach teaches it. He does a great job. But he encourages us to ask a question to people. And the question is simply this. Uh, when you come up to somebody or you're talking to them, ask them uh, what they think is wrong with the world. What do you think is wrong with the world? You get all kinds of answers to that question, but there's one answer you will never, ever get. No matter how many times you, you ask it, no matter how many people you pose this question to, you will never get this answer. Uh, you will never get the answer to the question, what's wrong with this world, that somebody says to you, nothing. The world is great. It's perfect. I don't even understand the question. Why would you ask the question? Because all of us know that something is broken in our world. And we don't have to look across the ocean to another country. We don't have to look to the coast to another state. We don't even have to look down the street to a different family. And if we're honest, we really don't have to look anywhere further than the mirror in our bathroom because we realize that something is broken inside of us, right? That the problem with the world is that the, what's broken the world are people. And that means that churches are broken, that our church is broken because it's full of people who look just like you, right? And just like me. This passage is really a way of Paul describing what is broken in our church and how to heal it, all right? So what I want to do is I'm going to read these 11 verses again because they're such great verses, then I'll give you my outline. So if you have your Bibles, take your Bibles out. Uh, I told you last week, uh, try to download an app uh, on your phone if you don't bring a Bible like this. Uh, the app is just for uh, an ESV Bible, which is what we use. It's free. That way, whenever you come, you can just open it up on your phone. All right, this is Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses. This is what it says. Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... 
complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, here are my three points that I want to draw out of those 11 verses. I want to talk about where our brokenness comes from, where our brokenness comes from, what wholeness looks like, and then how we become whole. Where our brokenness comes from, what wholeness looks like, and then how we become whole. First, where our brokenness comes from. Uh, Verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You can feel that, right? You can feel kind of what is wrong. You know, in that that book, Echoes of Eden, uh, the, the premise is not just that we long for our world to be the way it should be. We actually long for a world the way it once was, right? In Genesis chapter one and two, God creates all that is, creates this pristine universe, and everything is exactly the way God wants it. And he creates humankind, male and female, created he them. And then he takes Adam and Eve, and he places them in the middle of paradise, in what is called the Garden of Eden. And for a while, there is just harmony, right? There's harmony between Adam and Eve and God, between Adam and Eve themselves, and even between Adam and Eve and the world itself. There is no divisiveness. There is no pride. There is no arguing. There is no dissension. There is just absolute peace and perfection. Until Adam and Eve uh, get tempted for something more. They think maybe there's something better than loving and serving God. And maybe that's actually becoming God. And so they rebel and take that step and sin. And as soon as they do, they start to realize something, and it's something that we all know. And that's that we were created to reflect the glory of God. Uh, Not unlike the moon reflects the, the light of the sun. If the sun goes away, the moon has no light. When we separated ourselves from God, what happened is that the glory that we were made to reflect then went away, and we have no glory in ourselves. And the way that Paul describes that in verse 3, he uses a couple different ways to describe it. The one word that he uses is the word conceit, right? That's a terrible word. I mean, nobody likes to be thought of as conceited, right? But here's the bad news. That Greek word that is translated conceit uh, literally means glory empty, glory empty. 
And what happens in any human being, and it happens in me, it's happened in you, is that once we are separated from God, there are a couple things that happen. One is we begin to feel like we're fading, and we want to fight that with everything in us. And when I say that, the older you get, the more you feel this, by the way. And when I say fading, what I mean is that you're becoming uh, less and less significant. You can feel yourself drifting into insignificance. That's one thing that happens. The other thing that happens is that we are all looking for ways to kind of have our own glory. And when I say that, the the word for glory in the Hebrew is a word uh, kavod, which means a solidness, a heaviness. Like God has glory, which is why when God descends on the earth, the earth shakes because God is more solid and heavier than anything that is created. We long to have some kind of solidness, some kind of impact. So when you feel yourself longing for someone to pay attention to you, longing to be significant, longing for someone to see you, this is what you're feeling. This is what you're feeling. You're feeling what it means to be glory empty. And the second thing that the way Paul describes it is selfish ambition. Uh, That's divisiveness that comes into any group, but Paul is using it here to describe the church. And that is, uh, it, it, it makes sense that if you gather a bunch of people who all are struggling with being glory empty, looking for ways to feel significant, looking for ways to have people uh, pay attention to them, to notice them, to love them, to care for them, that they would become more and more self-centered and selfish and not care about other people, right? So that's where our brokenness comes from. And that's what seeps into the church. Now the question is, what does wholeness look like? What does wholeness look like? This is uh, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. I, I love that. I mean, every one of those words is packed with good feelings, isn't it? Encouragement, comfort, love, affection, sympathy, joy, the same mind, same love, being a full accord and one mind. Sign me up. How wonderful would, be, would this place be? If, if this church was characterized by, what, by that description, we would have to be turning people away at the door every week for lack of space. No place is like that. Right? My, I'm old enough where my wife and I, our children are grown, they have their own families, so we're at home alone. Our house is not characterized like that all the time. And those of you who know my wife, Karen, know that she's not the problem. Right? I just thought I'd beat you to that. But if no place is like that, why does Paul have a hope that a place like this, that a church like this could actually be like that? You want to know why? Why Paul thought that the church could be like no other place on earth? This is what. Verse 3 and verse 8 says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 8, when he's talking about Jesus, he says, But being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
The reason Paul thought it was possible for a, a church to experience wholeness in a way no other place experiences it is because of this foundational, this fundamental characteristic of Christianity of humility. Humility is the first step toward wholeness because humility is what you need in order to become a Christian. You can lack almost anything else, but you cannot become a Christian without humility. Let me explain. If you go to God and you say to God, listen, I want you to accept me based on what I've done. I'm a pretty good person. I want you to see my record, and then I want you to accept me. God would say, no, no, I reject you because you don't understand me. You don't understand you. You don't understand the significance of the cross of Jesus. But if you go to God and you say, God, I come to you and I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to gain your favor. There is no reason why you should accept me. But I ask that you save me, not on the basis of me and what I've done and my record, but on the basis of Jesus and what he has done. And then you're in. That's the way Christianity happens. That's the way you become a Christian. But humility is not just the way you become a Christian. It's the way you live and grow as a Christian, right? But that kind of puts you in a tough spot. I mean, if, if I came out to you in the atrium and I said, uh, hey, how are you doing with humility? And you say, pretty well, I think. <laughs> Thanks for asking, right? You, how do you know if you're humble? And the answer is you don't. The moment you think you're humble, you're not. So this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a couple things to let you know that you're not humble, right? That you're struggling with humility. And I'm going to take these. I could take a bunch from my own heart, right? But I'm just going to take a couple from this passage. And I'm going to give them names so that hopefully you'll remember them, all right? The first sign that you know that uh, you are struggling with humility is what I'm going to call the the Burger King complex, the Burger King complex. In 1974, Burger King launched this big advertisement campaign, and they had a slogan. And the slogan was, anybody know? Have it your way. Absolutely. It was brilliant, right? Who doesn't want to have it their own way? Have it my way. Listen, you come to church, and you want to have it your way, you are struggling with humility. And it's so easy. It's so easy to come to church thinking, this is the way I want church to be. It's so easy to leave a church when you say, you know what? I don't like the way they do this anymore. I don't like the way they do that anymore. And then you, you leave and go someplace else. And I want you to know, if you struggle with humility, that's one of the signs. Because what scripture says is this, don't look after your own interests, but look toward the interest of others, Right? Listen, there's an old joke that pastors tell. This kills at pastors' conventions, right? <laughs> but there's a, a guy who's on a deserted island. Like he's been there for like a decade, and they finally find him. So they, they, they find him, and they, they say, hey, listen, we're going to rescue you. And they notice that there are three huts that he built. And they say, wait, aren't you, weren't you alone the whole time? And he said, yeah, alone the whole 10 years. They say, well, what's this one hut? And he said, well, this hut is where I sleep. This is my hut. And they said, well, what's that hut? And then he says, well, that hut is where I go to church. It's where I worship. And they go, okay, 
what's that hut? And he goes, oh, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> right? I'm glad you, I'm glad you laughed, right? But you get why that's, why that's a joke, right? Because there's some truth to that. We know that because we have this, this glory emptiness in us, when something's not done the way we want it done, our tendency is to say, well, I want to go to a place where I can have it my way, right? That's one thing, right? The other uh, thing that I'll point out is what I call the, uh, <clears throat> the infected elbow syndrome, right? I have great elbows, and I say that with all humility. Um, <laughs> my elbows work perfectly, right? I mean, they, they are never sore. I have other joints that are sore all the time, but my elbows, and I never even have to think about my elbows. I never wake up in the morning and go, oh, elbows are, look, are feeling good, right? So when my elbows are uh, healthy, I never think about them. But if my elbow gets infected, then I think about it all the time. If my elbow was infected and I was out in the atrium, I'd be looking at you to see how you were going to treat my elbow, right? And if you came too close to it, I'd be going, what are you doing, right? Why would you come close to my elbow? Because my elbow is not healthy. So when my ego is healthy, I don't think about myself at all. When your ego is healthy, you don't think about yourself. And that's what scripture says, where Paul says, uh, do not think about yourself or think about others as being more significant than yourself, right? That's talking about a healthy ego. But if, you're, if your ego is not healthy, if my ego is not healthy, I'll be thinking about you all the time. I'll be thinking about how you treat me, about how you respond to me. I'll be thinking, what are they thinking of me? I'll wonder why you walk by me without saying hi. Right? I had somebody leave this church one time because I walked past them in the hallway and didn't say hi. What kind of pastor does that? Evidently this kind. Right? <laughs> what was that about? Well, that's, that's somebody who has an infected elbow, and I, and I get that. I know there are times when you're going through a difficult time, but listen, listen, if you want to know whether you're humble or not, you have to pay attention to at least those two things. There are a lot of other uh, signs that you struggle with humility, that I struggle with humility. But if as a church, we could just take care of those two, right? If every person here was saying, you know what? I don't need to have it my way. I'm looking at other people to see how they want to have it. I don't have to think about how other people are treating me. I just want to see how I'm treating other people. We would become much more of the kind of church that Paul hoped for when he wrote verses 1 and 2, when he wrote about a place full of encouragement and love and joy and unity. All right? And that brings me to the third thing, is how are we going to do it? I'm glad you asked. All right? How do we get there? Now, this is what the interesting thing that Paul does in this passage, when he talks about Jesus, he connects humility to an action. And this is where he does it, verse 5 through 7. Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant." being born in the likeness of men. What Paul says is there is a path to humility, and that path to humility is through serving. That's the path that Jesus took, 
It's the path that Paul says in Philippians 2, I want you to take. If we're going to become a church that is characterized by this fundamental characteristic of humility, then the way we do it is through serving. I told you last week that as a staff and as your pastor, what our goal is to provide you with is a path to become more like Jesus by the end of the year than you are right now. And the way, that's why we have created this thing that we call CCC and three. CCC and three. The CCC part means that you participate in worship. So all of you who are here and all of you in East Hall, you can check that box. You have CCC down. And we created CCC in three, so you always know what your next step is. Now, if you're uh, online, you're like this close, right? You know that there are things that you experience in person that you cannot experience online. That's why we will constantly be calling you back to worship, right? Back to CCC. All right, so then you have and one, and two, and and three. So when you get your and one down, then your next step is to put, is to get an and two. That'll be next week. We'll talk about that next week. When you get your and one and and two, your next step is your and three. I'll talk about that in two weeks. All right, but your CCC and one, the very first thing you do in this church, this is what we want you to do. Once you find worship, once you go through reimagine and you figure out what we're like as a church, then we want you to find a place to serve. Before you get into a growth opportunity, before you join a circle, we want you to find a place to serve. And this is why. Because humility is hard. Humility is elusive, right? And, and it is not just, I mean, it is the way that you're going to grow healthy as a Christian. If you begin to learn without humility, it will be dangerous. If you teach, listen, um, listen, just because you know the Bible and can teach the Bible doesn't mean that you have humility down. And I just, I tell you that as a teacher. So if you are a teacher, a Bible study teacher or a teacher of the Bible, uh, find other ways to serve. Look to serve in any way you can to try to protect yourself from what teaching can do to you. Right? But this is what I want you to do. I want you to, uh, after this service, I want you to head out into the atrium. In the atrium, we have almost all of our ministries set up. At, we're calling it a Serve Expo. At the ministry uh, places, uh, there'll be uh, little cards like this that'll tell you a little bit about the ministry and uh, give you a place to fill out your information so somebody can contact you if you want to serve. Before you go out there, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray. I want you to pray and say, God, as I go out into the atrium, I want you to show me a ministry that will just, that will quicken my heart. And I'm going to bounce around in these ministries until I find one where I go, that would be so cool to be a part of. And then figure out a time and a way to plug in. There are ways to serve uh, once a month or once a week or whatever, but find a place to serve. This is what is true. By the end of 2022, you will either be more like Jesus or less like Jesus. Flat out, that is true. The simplest and most profound way that you can become more like Jesus in 2022 might be serving. It might just be finding as simple as finding a place to serve. Paul says, have this mind in you that is also in Christ Jesus 
who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be crass, but emptied himself and became a servant. You want to grow in 2022? CCC in one. Find a place to serve. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, we come to you and I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, there is nothing we need at all to come into relationship with you other than humility. And I am sorry that is so hard for all of us. But you provided your son, what he has done for us to allow us to come to you. And then uh, for us to grow, to become more like him, he has already shown us the path. And that's the way he became a servant to us. Father, I pray that you'd help us as a church. We want to become a place that's uh, described with joy and love and unity and all of that. I pray that you'd help us to become that place by helping us become more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.